Hey, one fans, Andy here. We're going to Cisco Live, and we can't wait to see you there. If we see you wearing an A1 or Cables to Cloud shirt at Cisco Live, we'll enter you in our giveaway that includes a bunch of cool prizes like an A1 branded Yeti cup and an OCG of your choice from our friends at Cisco Press. Don't have a shirt? No problem. Head to the link in our bio and grab yours today. See you soon. This is the Art of Network Engineering Podcast. In this podcast, we'll explore tools, technologies, and talented people. We aim to bring you information that will expand your skill sets and toolbox and share the stories of fellow network engineers. Welcome to the Art of Network Engineering, where hindsight is 100 meters, up to 400 running 10 gig. But hey, please do not look directly into the light. Thanks for joining us. I'm Tim Bertino, and we have an exciting episode for you this week. It's getting to be that time of year where we all have lots of activities going on. So helping me steer the ship this week are two different, don't take that the wrong way, fellas, but familiar faces, Jordan Villarreal and Chris Denny. I can't thank you both enough for joining us tonight. I, I am happy to say now that I've had a beer or maybe a few uh, with both of you. So uh, Jordan, we'll, uh, we'll kick it over to you. What's been going on? Oh, not much. I mean, I hey, I really uh, appreciate you making this call down to the miners to bring uh, Chris and I in tonight. <laughs> it's uh, really, really appreciated. Uh, I guess I, I didn't introduce you properly. I should have said uh, Network Field Day Delegate 28, Jordan yes. Villarreal. That was a lot of fun, by the way. I heard that was a and pretty good experience. Yeah, you because you've done a, a virtual one, right? Yeah, I did a virtual one. Haven't Haven't done an in-person one yet. When the opportunity presents itself for a, a an in-person event, take it up. It is a wildly different experience to be shoulder to shoulder with with other delegates who are basically peers at this point. I mean, maybe different industries, different titles, but uh, truly a, a great, great collection of minds in those rooms. Now, did you know any of the delegates going into it? Um. So Jeremy Schulman was there, who's, uh, I can't remember his full title, and I know him by reputation more than I know him in person. Uh, he's um, an automate, a king automator at MLB, basically. So I picked oh, his brain okay. the entire week uh, just about how MLB does their stuff. And then uh, there was one other guy, um, Keith, like his last name eludes me. Turns out he lives about 25 miles away from me. So I had to fly halfway across the country to meet somebody <laughs> who lived just down the road from me. It's pretty funny. Small world. Indeed. Well, that's exciting. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And we also have the infamous Chris Denny. Chris, it's great to see hey you. Hey, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us, man. Um, I, uh, I was excited to get the call. That's for sure. <laughs> Anything new going on with you? I know that's a loaded question. Uh, just uh, trying to uh, stay ahead of uh, everything that's coming at me. And uh, we uh, may potentially have something coming uh, that we kind of announced on Twitter yesterday. I, so uh, I don't yeah. really want to uh, steal any real thunder from uh, anybody here. Uh, Jason Gooley. But <laughs> uh, this is uh, we, we got some stuff coming, guys. So uh, stay tuned. And uh, everybody can know that you're not going to get any info from me because I have no idea what's going on over there. So, <laughs> to be fair, we really don't either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into it. I am very happy 
to introduce, although Chris kind of stole my thunder, even though he said he wasn't going to. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. We have for this episode, technical solutions architect, technical evangelist, author, and quite possibly superhero, Jason Gooley. Jason, it is incredible to meet you. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I, I am awesome. I don't know about superhero. That's that's uh, more than I, maybe I, it's the superpower of baldness. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but uh, uh, dude, this is great. I and I'm so excited to be here and uh, finally to get to meet you face to face because I know we've been chatting online for a while and I've never really actually got to, to to talk to you. So it's pretty cool we got to do that today. So thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us. I I do um, want to start off with the author bit because I'm I'm going to. Uh, steal some time uh, real quick and, and thank you for what you've done on the author side. So late last year, uh, I got through the Enterprise Core exam and it was, I will say, largely in part to the official cert guide that you co-wrote. So thank you for that. I, I do want to unpack that a little more because I know if if people just look through Twitter and that kind of thing, you, you'll see people passing exams all the time. And and honestly, it's it's easy. It can be easy to make it look easy. And uh, I, I just want to say that I started studying for uh, the Enterprise Core exam probably in early 2020, and I didn't end up getting it till towards the end of 2021. I, I had some bad study habits and that kind of thing, but. Um, when I finally buckled down, uh, I went through and made a whole bunch of digital flashcards, and a lot of it came out of the book that you co-wrote, Jason, and that was just a huge game changer for me. So thank you for being uh, a part in my success as a network engineer. I just wanted to start off with that. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I, I mean, I'm glad it helped. That was, that was kind of the whole reason we do these things, and, and uh, you know, Brad, when he came to me to even get on that project, I was like, I'm down, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we had such a good role where we were doing all the different programmability books and, you know, I work really good with Brad. So when he came to me with that, I thought, you know, it'd be nice to do something that I can give back and help as many people as possible. Um, the programmability books and things of that nature, they're helpful, but they're, they're very, I mean, here's network programmability and automation, you know, here's SDA, here's SD-WAN. When you start talking about official certification guides, you, you get to, you know, cover a lot of different topics to try to make the most impact as possible. So thank you. It really means a lot to hear you say that. So I appreciate you. So how many other books have you written? Well, I know you've written the DevNet book because I've got that sitting on my <laughs> shelf there. And I didn't even realize that you were attached to it until uh, the the last interview that that we did with the Art of Network Engineering for the, the YouTube feed. And I just happened oh, to yeah. have the book sitting right next to me while we were uh, live in that event. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's on this book too. Yeah, yeah. I uh, It was so funny because, so so the answer, I guess, is I wrote five other books <laughs> uh, other than Ian Core. Um, but the way it started, it was, it was kind of weird because, you know, it all started with the programming and automating Cisco Networks book, right? It was the first book that I got on and, um, you know, I've told the story a couple times. This, this gentleman I was working with at Cisco said he wanted to write a book, and he knew I had the service provider and, and at the time routing and switching. Uh, and he said, you know, I can write a lot of stuff about programmability, automation, Linux, and all the data center stuff. Would you be interested in doing stuff around enterprise networking and service provider, APKM, programmable? I'm like, I, you know, and I, th I had to think about it for a while because I wasn't sure if I wanted to write a book. Me. 
Um, so I ended up doing it and it was, it was like a blessing in disguise because it helped so many folks. I've heard so many people come up to us and say, uh, you know, this book was how I got started in programming and automating networks. That's how I got started with programmability at all. And it was funny because, and, and I'm quoted saying this on all the DevNet websites and YouTube and everything like that. I'm like, I had to learn this stuff to write the book. You know what I mean? So for me, I thought it was cool that I was able to teach the way I learned it. So it could be absorbed easily, hopefully, by, by whoever picks it up, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of how I try to do these books. So, I mean, it started off with the one and then Brad came up to me. He's like, hey, man, you want to you wanna work on the CCIE, CCDE Evolving Technology Study Guide? Say that five yeah. times fast. <laughs> um, and, and I'm like, no, nah, man, you know, I think I'm done, you know, because you know, it's a lot of effort to write a book. So I was like, I don't I don't I think I'm done. And he's like, well, it's going to be a three chapter ebook. Would you be interested in writing, you know, the programmability chapter? And I'm like, <laughs> okay, twist your arm, right? And that was the, <laughs> that. You hear people get tattoos, and they're like, "Oh, they're so addicting." I don't know, uh, but uh, very similar when you're writing books, right? So then all of a sudden, I did two with this guy, and then he's like, "Hey, do you want to write En Core?" And that was the book that you ref you referenced earlier. And I was like. <laughs> Dude, why do you keep doing this to me? You know, <laughs> I thought I was done. And, um, but I'm like, yeah, I, absolutely. So I did the programmability chapters, some of the assurance stuff, and the DNA center and some things like that in there. And, um, it was a blast. I love it. And, and you know, you, when, when you hear folks tell you that something that you did helped them, that's like the ultimate goal. Right. I mean, as you all know, you know, you don't get, you know, gold bricks of money for writing books. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, so it's really just to, just to see how many folks I can help. Because I remember when I was going through all this, there was like two or three books and that was it. Did, like land switching, routing, and, you know, there's like not a whole heck of a lot of them, you know, right. And Doyle, Doyle's uh, Bible, the TCP IP, you know, volume one. Did it get, and then you're like, how do, how do I do all these things? So then as, as, as I got into writing and I, which I never thought I would, the idea was I'm going to write it in such a way that hopefully it could be. The second you pick it up, it's almost like a how-to manual versus a really dry textbook. So, did it get? I appreciate that feedback. Easier and easier as you continue to write. It it does to a degree. So I guess what I can what I what I mean by that is that if you sit down in a session to to write, say you're working on one chapter and you want to just get down and write some topic, once you start, yes, it gets easier in that session. What doesn't seem to get easier, right, is that you have to keep doing that 10-hour session right. over and over <laughs> and over and over. And by the time you're like in week three and you're like, this is a year-long project and you're, you're typing at Starbucks and your butt is numb because you've been there for 11 hours and you, you only get so many free refills on Peach Tranquility tea and you're sitting there like, oh my gosh, I got to get out of here. That's where it kind of gets strenuous because I think the, the, the hardest thing for me that I, and I've, I've said this to a lot of folks, is that. I have a hard time having a timeline or a deadline on being creative. That just, there's something about, because you're create, you're trying to come up with something. You've never written, this book has never been written. Right. That's why we're writing it, right? So you get that, or it feels like you're, you know, you're not being forced because you signed up to do this, right? But it almost, it, it, it forces you, I should say, to start thinking about things like, oh, well, man, it would have been nice to go outside today. It was 80 degrees. I could have. Click it, click it, click it, click Mac dictation, and you're talking to your laptop and all this other stuff, you know. So 
it, it does put stuff into perspective. Uh, I would say that what does get easier over time is the ability to, when you sit down, to kind of just jump in. Because that was the thing that was the hardest for me. When I first started, my wife told me, she's like, you know what? Forget formatting, spelling, just just start throw, throwing up on the keyboard, essentially what she said, where you just start thoughts just streaming out. Don't even worry about punctuation, nothing. And I did that. And then as you're doing it, I found that if I'm telling a story or if I'm trying to explain a product to a customer, as I'm telling that story, right, you're, you're envisioning what it's what exactly you're you're doing, right? I mean, this is in your brain, you know how it works. So you're explaining the use case or the business outcome to the customer. So I try to do the same thing when I'm typing, because at that point, you're just like, I'm explaining it. And then I can go back and put it in the proper, the user can, the user clicks this, you know, that, you know, types this command or whatever, because then once it's conversational, I can get it out. And then I can just change a couple things. So So I want to add to it now. Go ahead, Chris. (laughs) I, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I can imagine though that there is no just, you know, just calling it in that day, right? Like no halfway in, you know, if, if you're going to sit down to write, like there's no just, I'm just going to put something there and just come back to it, right? Because it's got to be so detailed. And you also have to know that somebody's going to be using this material and, and basically hinging their entire careers off of that material. And, and also people are going to be checking the material as well. But, you know, you, you got to be 100% anytime you sit down to type. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think one of the other things is that it, there are days that you sit down and you're like, I'm just not, I'm just not feeling it. It is better to get up and just go. Don't, imagine, yeah. don't force it. So when you force it, you you find yourself like using like fluff and I'm not a big, you know, yeah. fluff kind of guy. So I, you, know, you, you want it to be to the point I'm explaining it. And the way I look at it is I'm, I'm explaining how to do something to somebody through words on, on the, on, you know, in the computer. But by doing that, instead of it be a reading as, you know, I have a checklist of something I have to do. It's very, it's, it's more conversational. Hopefully it flows easier. And cause I remember reading books when I, I first started out, uh, uh, I think the first networking book I got was the Cybex CCNA study guide kit by Todd Lamley. I don't know if you remember that red and black old school. I mean, this thing, the book was like, you know, that thick. And then it had this virtual e-simulator that was, that was included with it. And, um, and Todd Lamley, I thought was, 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 was pretty decent at, a lot, at writing a lot of this stuff, you know? So I would, I, I would find that I would go through some of his and, and, you know, they would make references to like movie quotes or movies in the router names and stuff like that. So I, I try to inject things that are fun, try to make things that are a little bit more different and, and unique. Now, understandably, it might not be accepted everywhere. So I have to make sure that you know, if I'm making it, making a little a movie reference or a joke or something like that, that it's, it's universal and everybody can understand it. Um, but it's fun because you, you, you find yourself writing what you've, what you've been thinking and what you've been showing folks. And when it finally comes out and you hear somebody say, I used this to do X, Y, and Z, and it helped me, you know, you're like, wow, you know, my, my, my numb butt at Starbucks for, you know, 11 hours a day for, for months at a time was worth it. You know? I want to, I want to add on to that because I think it's really important for uh, consumers like us of this material here, what, what you have to go through um, to put this material out because it, it's, it's so beneficial for us. Like I, I don't know how you went through those exams when, when there wasn't much material because I had, 
your book. I had all these different video courses, including Cisco On Demand Learning, at my disposal when I went through this. And both exams were still difficult. Um, so I can't imagine how uh, how difficult it must have been for a lot of people before a lot of, uh, you know, the quantity of this material was out. So, yeah, thank you so much for for putting this together and all your co-authors because it, it really does help. Absolutely. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I think is kind of interesting about that is that when you're when you're trying to do something to help folks, you want to try to make it as broad as possible. And so you can you make the biggest impact as possible. Uh, that's that's kind of becoming my theory because as I wrote the initial book, it's very like I said, it's very focused. SDA very focused. SD went. So as I can, if I continue to write <laughs> that out there, because it's been it's been a, it's been a lot of writing. Um, that it would be to try to make the most impact and broadest help as possible. You know, like Wendell, same thing with Wendell when he does the CCNA stuff, right? The idea is just to try to help as many people as possible to the best of your ability. And so I think that's what I'm, I, that's what my, my method of, of writing is going to move into or move into, I should say, because I just think that you, you only have a certain amount of hours in a day and all these books, I was still working a full daytime job at Cisco while this was going on too. So it's, wow. You know, you you want to prioritize that to try to make the most impact, but also still spend time with your kids and your and your wife. You know, so I think that's that's kind of a, if there's any advice that I could give for aspiring authors would be, it's okay to give to the paper, right? It's okay to to take the time out and spend spend the however long you need to get stuff done. Um, however, just don't don't put yourself so far into the paper that you can't realize you have, you have other things you got to do. Because I have done that too. So there you go. Yeah, I do think that's that's definitely a struggle. I think balance for anybody, um, especially people that are are very career and education minded, um, really struggle with because it's so easy. Uh, Andy has talked about it multiple times. It's so easy to to become so goal goal oriented, where you just put your head down and then you look up, and so much time has passed, and and you, you really need to take time for mental health and and make sure you're taking care of everything else in your life. Um, so yeah. I, I do want to spend some time, um, learning about your, your experience at Cisco, but I'd like to first kind of throw it back for, for people who don't know your story, Jason, can you kind of start with, uh, with what really got you into network engineering or even just technology in general? Absolutely. Uh, so I owe it to my best friend. So there's this gentleman named Luke Kalen, uh, who I've known since I was, well, 13 years old, I believe. Um, yeah, he was 12. I was 13. And um, his mom was a computer analyst, and she would do different things like work on. This is back in the day of Windows NT, uh, Windows 3.1, 3.1.1 for work groups, DOS 6.2.2. Like you're, you're back into like dip switches and jumper settings. You know, that's your, you know, back in the day. You know, Visa, ISA, you know what I mean? You know, not the stuff you hang your TV from, you know. It's like, so, you know, when you're, when you're, so he got me into all of this different stuff and he would steal his mom's books, which I thought was kind of fascinating. He would steal his mom's books and read them. And I'm like, okay, so I'm hanging out doing whatever I was doing. And he calls me up. He's like, you got to come over here, man. I've got this computer and I want to build it. And I want you to come over and help me build it. And I'm like, at first I was kind of like, what are you, you know, like, what are you, I'm 13. Like what, you know, what are you talking about? So I go over there and we, we build this, this computer, he has the, all these different parts. We put this computer together 
and we end up we tried really hard to get Linux on there for for many times. There was Linux, uh, uh, it was called like Slackware, I think it was way back in the day. This disk. We tried so hard to get that to work, we could not get it working. But anyway, we built this DOS six two two DOS box, and then we put Windows three one on it, and then uh, we were just play with it. And then we we're using QBasic and starting to do a little bit of programming in QBasic and if then go to and all this fun stuff. And uh, I was thirteen. And what was crazy is, you know, I didn't really do anything worthwhile programming, you know, wise back then. It was like I made a circle appear. And then I figured out how to go back to the line. So if then go to, uh, and then I made it open. And then it just kept opening and disappeared and open. And eventually it was just like this. I got it to do that. And uh, I figured out somehow, I don't know what, it was somewhere in the book. Um, and I still have this book. It's actually, uh, I think it's in the closet right here, but I have the original book that he Taught himself QBasic. Oh, wow. I kept it. Um, and in there, somewhere, it, it, you can tie the PC speaker to whatever it is you're programming. So it just, whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, whoop, whoop. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world, man. It was a circle and a siren. I was, dude, I was, I was rocking, you know? And uh, that was where it started. So that was, that was my first intro into IT was because him, like, pretty much stealing his mom's books and teaching himself and then teaching me. And then, you know, next thing you know, I ended up going to school when I was, it was like, I can't even remember how old I was. It was 1997. I went to this uh, vocational school to get, originally, it was uh, CNA and Novell for, uh, for Certified Novell Administrator, if you remember that. Three, uh, no, 411B was the one I ended up going for, but it was just getting out of three into 411B. And um, then before that, then it was the A plus certification, and the it was like a Microsoft mouse user certification or something like how to use Excel and PowerPoint and, and Word and all these things. So I went to school for these things because they didn't teach them at my at my school. So this is what I wanted to do. I, I didn't have the best uh, um, trajectory in school. I got booted out. Everybody knows the story on that one. Um, and I wanted to do something with my life that I enjoyed, and and that was it. So I, I continued down that path, and then um, right when I was getting out of that that uh, vocational school, my friend Luke said, "Have you ever heard of this thing called Cisco?" Again, like this guy, second time he's he's he said, "Hey man, look at this." I'm like, "No, what's Cisco?" He's like, "Dude, it's like Linux and DOS, but it's like a separate operating system." And at the time, I was like, "Oh, I lo- I loved that." you know, command line kind of approach to things because it was so foreign and I was making stuff happen based on what I'm typing. And I just thought that was just the coolest thing ever at that age, you know? So I was like, all right, well, let's, let's take a look at it. I want to, I want to see what it's all about. And then I found out it was kind of based on Linux. So there might be a little bit of similarities to the operating system. And then I'm like, well, I guess, you know, I guess I need to figure out what, what I want to do. And they said, well, there's three certifications you can get. There's a CCNA, a CCNP, and then a CCIE. And at the time, it was all over the place. These folks were, were advertising this. It was great. A CCNA will make over a quarter of a million dollars a year. CCNP would be about $375,000 a year. And then my buddy goes, dude, you don't even want it. He's like, he goes, do you know what CCIEs make? I'm like, what? He goes, more than the president. <laughs> and now back then... Back then in the 90s, as funny as that sounded, I'm like, dude, that's the one I want. I'll, I'll, I'll get my CCIE. Right. You know what? I'm going to get my CCIE. I'm going to go work for Cisco. That is exactly what I said. 1997. I'm going to show you something. 
Okay. You can't laugh. I, I'm going to get up for a second. Shit, I told him I wasn't going to laugh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just too we're, funny. We're just laughing at something so, else. Yeah. We're not laughing at what he's <laughs> Right, us. just to give you an idea. Tim, Tim made a funny face. <laughs> of, of, of where I was when I started this mess. <laughs> this is me. In a complete zoot suit, wearing wingtip shoes, ponytail. Oh gosh. Way back in the day. Look at this. Dude, that's awesome. Wow. Is that... That almost it's, looks bam, like it's from 17 years old. That, is that from Godfather 2? Wait, that's 17. Yeah. <laughs> I was 17 years old. Holy dude. shit. I wish I had that kind of style at 17. No kidding. I wish I had that kind of style <laughs> dude, now. Dude, exactly. <laughs> so I still have the suit, which is and the shoes, actually. Um, but it was, it was just, I, we had this thing where like you got to dress up for, for your graduation. Okay. I, so, I bought that in there. I bought this suit. I thought this was the coolest thing since sliced bread, man. It was, was it? All, I was looking. I was looking good. I was a godfather back then before I even knew I was now. Which was even <laughs> was funnier. it the same? So, was it the same friend that introduced you to uh, to Doss and to Cisco that introduced you to that style and look? Please say yes. This was kind of born for me. It was just a weird thing, but uh, I do got to credit him to also getting me into metal. So he was the one who got me into. Uh, Metallica and Megadeth and all that when I first started. So Metal DevOps wouldn't even have been a thought. You got it there on. There it is. If, nice. If, if, if he didn't tell me, check out this uh, this song. This is Fade to Black by Metallica. And that was that was where it started. And uh, it was funny because we we kept on and he's still, he's still now he's doing security at uh, a big Cisco uh, customer. It's a large law firm. He's doing security and he's doing fantastic and he loves Cisco security. And uh, it's so funny because we both stayed in it. He was doing more network or uh, server administration, things like that, webs, web design, things like that. Then he got into uh, Cisco security and poof. Uh, and now he's just, he's loving it. So I'm so happy for him that we both stayed in IT and we're still the best of friends since, since we were 13. So uh, see, I think I anybody can do it, I guess, is the message for you out there. Pick up a book. Learn how to program a circle, and there you go. You know, next thing you know, make, you're on, make, on make it go. Woo, 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 yeah, woo, yeah. Woo, gotta, woo, it, woo, it's not a real woo, circle if it doesn't gotta, do that. Yeah, I gotta have the audio. Right, you've got to do the woo woo. You know, I, I think uh, I think oh, that's man. a great segue too because I think it's easy for for people to potentially. I don't want to call it a trap, but I'm going to call it a trap to to fall in a trap of thinking you need to pick one thing and become hyper-focused and, and you can't leave the box. Um, because I think there's, there's a lot to be said for range and, and uh, breadth of skill. So to know that you can learn different things, jump into adjacent or even non-adjacent areas and, and don't necessarily have to completely start over because there are organizations out there that will um, really reward you for the skill sets that you have, have gotten over the years, because so many things can, can transfer into adjacent technologies and, and just having those, those different, uh, skill sets really, you know, expand your mind and help you, you know, apply thoughts in, in different avenues. So I, I'm glad you brought that up, Jason. You know, one, one other thing that goes directly with what you just said that I think is, is vastly important is that, you, when you do these different diverse things, you gain all this experience. That makes you the person that everybody wants around because you know how to do all these things. Now, granted, sometimes the side effect of that is 
you do 92 jobs. <laughs> I do 90, I have 92 bosses, Bob, you know? Um, but you, you do run into these situations where you become valuable and they want you around because you have that diverse skill set and you can do all these different things. So keeping that in mind is it's not, it's not bad to, you know, diversify. I think it's, it's brilliant to do that. The other thing is to just know that you may, they may ask more of you and, but that could lead to a positive thing, but just know when, know when to pump the brakes. If, if it's, if it's yeah, too that's much, important. You know? boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Boundaries. That's it. Yep. So can you, can you step us through uh, the early days of your professional career? Oh man, it was, it was so wild and different. I, I love it because, you know, I, I started building and selling computers with, with my friend Luke there when we were just at that age, right around 13. And, um, we started selling computers to different businesses. It was super cool. We were, it was old school. Like I want to think one of them was like a Pentium 233 and I, somewhere I have the chip. I still have a chip off of one of those, the original Pentium 233 MMX, I think it was. Um, and it was so, so cool to have these, we'd build these computers and then we'd sell them to these different businesses and whatnot. And it was very sparse though, because when you're, I don't know, 14, 15 years old with a ponytail looking like that guy, you know, and I come in there and say, I'm going to sell you this computer <laughs> to like, <clears throat> get out of here. You know what I mean? Because you're, yeah, you're a kid. I mean, we were kids. Uh, but I think at the same time, you know, I don't know about you, but I watch Shark Tank every once in a while, and I see some kids younger than me on there with some pretty awesome ideas, and they're multimillionaires now, right? So don't don't discount the the youngins because because they're that because they're young. I think the more we teach, my daughter is seven; she's going to be eight in November, and she is all about everything that has anything to do with electronics, mm. art, painting, just everything, science. I, I, I'm so I'm so um, enamored by what like her passion for these things. Right. And I, I love to encourage it, but it's not like I, I, I don't feel like I was like, you need this, you know, that you have to do. I want her to be able to do whatever it is she wants, but I really do enjoy the fact that she likes the same, some of the same things that we do. Right. So there, there is a place for her if, if uh, she decides to go down that path for sure. That, I mean, that's great to hear. And, um, any parent out there who's, well, number one, just enabling their kid in general to get into any technology field, bravo. But to see and, and to hear uh, more fathers that are, are helping their daughters get into it, it, that's hats off to, to you for that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I don't hide the, the fact that my, you know, it's kind of, I'm trying to point to this monster here. Uh, <laughs> You're doing great. You got it. Um, and, um, you know, my little, she, you just can't, it's out of frame, but she's a bunch of flowers over here. That and, uh, But at the same time, you know, I want her to be able to have every opportunity that we've all had. Um, and we all know, and I've talked about this on other episodes and other, other things, right? We all know that sometimes, uh, you know, uh, we don't give as best of a foot forward for, for some of the women and young girls and kids uh, in this industry. So it's cool that, uh, that a lot of folks are stepping up, especially with some of the recent events and things we've seen online and uh, just, just really including everybody. And I think that uh, especially in the IT realm, when you have a young girl who has a passion to want to be able to do something technical and her eyes light up like yours did when you first sat down behind whatever it was, right. You know, or the first time you ever picked up a guitar or the first time you ever picked, picked up the, the drumsticks, right. Your eyes light up. And I think anything that I can do to kind of just feed that fire 
even if she decides to go be an artist and drop out of school and doesn't do any of these things, and maybe she's a singer or something and has nothing to do with that, but she knows it. Nothing wrong to have uh, intelligence in multiple different areas. Absolutely. So that, that's that diversity thing. Very big, Tim. Yeah, I agree. Got, so, got to feed the passion. Yeah, I, th- that's a big part of it. I, and that's kind of the approach that my wife and I have, have taken with our kids is not so much to, to push things on them, but to really observe what it looks like gets them curious and and just kind of take that the next step. Like, okay, you like that. Well, what if you try this on top of it? And, and just kind of letting them organically come up with because I think if if they're able to figure these some of these things out for themselves, things are just going to click for them and they're going to become more passionate about it. And, you know, us as parents, we just got to be supportive of that and and really follow their lead, I think. Yeah. I mean, the fact that, that you do different things like that to enable them to solve it is a huge step. I mean, and that that's, I didn't want this to turn into like, you know, father, you know, <laughs> a whole discussion about fathers and daughters, but, or kids, but at the same time, um, some folks don't even take that effort. So if you can actually spend the time to sit down with them and show them something, I think you're, you're already ahead of the pack. And, and well I done. appreciate that. I'm not father of the year by any means, but we do some cool shit. None of us are, <laughs> you know, but so I, I don't know. I got a mug that says I am just saying, <laughs> Oh, so we got one. We got one. We got one. So, you know, that's excellent. <laughs> My wife has a mug that says "World's Okayest Mom." <laughs> She's trying to. Oh, Strive for something. <laughs> hey, she bought it herself. That wasn't a gift. She 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 went with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, to take that one step further. I, I didn't know my wife had this shirt, but she uh, she walked downstairs one day wearing a shirt that said, "I'm a drop the f bomb kind of mom." <laughs> that that's excellent. Okay. Oh, well, I think that's going no. on, on my wife's kids? gift list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And they read yet? <laughs> you know, that's a good point, Jason. I didn't think of that. I'm like, hmm, how many of them have uh, talked about that that shirt at school? Okay, dude. You know, it's funny because I um, I have been uh, warned by my seven year old daughter that I have dropped a couple of words that I should not be sure. saying. And that I am not allowed to, otherwise I might get my butt And I was like, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I will, I will try my best to not do that uh, anymore uh, because most time you're like, you don't think they're around or something yep. silly or garbage bag splits open and some little beep. <laughs> and uh, she, she's I, like, I she's like, I'm just looking out, I'm just looking out for you, dad. <laughs> I just want to make sure you yeah, don't get yeah. spanked. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, did you just say beep? And I'm like, don't say beep. But you just said beep. I'm like, I didn't mean to say beep. Yeah. You know, and, and then you go through that whole little thing where it's like, well, don't say beep or you're going to get your butt. And you're like, oh, man. Um, if that's the worst we do, yeah. we're hopefully. That's not too bad. Show. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I pretend that I can hear through walls, but my son, he's eight. He can hear through walls. He hears it all. And he remembers it all, too. That's the worst part. So, Jason, when did, uh, when did network engineering enter the picture for you? So it was funny because so I, I decided to go and start doing this uh, Cisco stuff that I was mentioning. And I was going for my CCNA. And I just I didn't really have any experience networking other than, you know, when I was helping um, my, my friend's mom there. 
she'd have a business that would use B and C and old school coax uh, networks. And I would help, I would help them get their network up and going. So that was my first parlez-vous into networking was using coax, uh, you know, Novell. And then um, it was Windows 3.1.1 for workgroups was the, some of the, the software that their, their office used. So you had the networking aspect of that. You had to BNC, you had some Novell stuff for their servers, all these different clients and NDS and all this stuff. And it was really neat because it was super fast and super cool. What I thought was super fast, super cool back then. Right. Uh, and then there's this thing like 10 base T. What? Zoom, zoom. What? And, and, and the funny thing is even after all of this, the first computer that I ever owned even helping build, I built all these computers for other folks, built all these different things. The first computer I ever, I ever owned was a 486, no, a 386 SX16. And it had four meg of onboard memory. Did it have a turbo and I remember that, and, and somewhere in a box, I have a Seagate five and a half inch hard drive that was 20 megabyte. And I thought I was just, <laughs> I was cooking, man. I had, a, I had an old, uh, I think it was like a, it was like a 1400 baud or 1200 baud modem. I think was, was the, was the, the newer one that I got before that it was like 300 baud or whatever it was or 360 or whatever the heck it was. And I was like, wow, I thought, I, I thought I was blazing, but, uh, did, did it have a turbo it button now. on it? No, <laughs> no, but it did have a key. So it had this, yeah, that this circle key? key, the key. Yeah. The barrel key. I had, it had that. And I don't know if that was like turbo boost um, which leads, I will drop this one story and then I will move off this computer because it's the funniest <laughs> thing about this. It's the funniest thing about this computer. So that same computer, right? Uh, me and my friend, Luke, we had, a, we had another friend that, uh, he just, he wasn't, there, there wasn't, stuff wasn't going on right up, up here, up at, up top, you know? And, uh, but he really wanted to get into computers. So we started showing up computers and doing all these different things. And, um, one day he, he's like, you guys got to come over. I'm like, okay. So we, we go over to his house and he's like, check this out. And he, he flips, he flips this little power switch on a, on a, on a power strip. And then the computer turns on. I'm like, Oh dude, that's awesome. What? <laughs> you know? And he's like, Oh no, dude, I took apart the power supply, bypassed the switch in the power supply. So now I could just turn it off and on right here at the power strip. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, cool. Why don't you just leave the toggle in up position? <laughs> so, so that was that computer. So, um, yeah. when, uh, when did that computer die? Uh, shortly after I sold it. To you. <laughs> 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 he murdered it. Uh, he murdered it. I don't know what he did. Probably because of the power. Um, but yeah. Thankfully, the uh, computer is the only thing that died there. Yeah, true, yeah, true yeah, that, yeah. true that. Is that house um, still standing? But, you know, so be careful with electricity, <laughs> folks. <laughs> I, coming from somebody who electrocuted himself last year, be, oof, be careful. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Lexi, a.k.a. Track It Pacer, or as my coworkers now know me, that little gremlin that keeps crawling in and out of the server racks. I have a question for you. Have you ever heard of the USNUA? So let me throw three topics at you. Number one, network engineering. Number two, no annoying sales pitches. And number three, beer. Does it get any better? 
Have you ever wished you could have someone to chat with in person about network design that isn't trying to sell something to you? If your answer is yes, then let me tell you, you need to check out the USNUA. The US Networking User Association is a group of fellow network engineers that like to openly chat about all things networking. And the added bonus, there's no selling. These user group meetings are completely devoid of OEM agendas. That means no pushy salespeople cornering you after the meeting, trying to squeeze you for that next purchase order while you're just there to get mildly buzzed and talk about VXLAN or something. Find out all the goodness of the USNUA, that's the US Networking User Association, by going to usnua.com. We hope to see you at the next meetup in your area. So when... uh that was kind of your start. When did you, and what was it for you that, that kind of triggered that, Hey, I, I think I want to make this uh, a focal point in my career, this, this networking thing. Yeah. Um, so right when I was studying for the CCNA, we had that, uh, router simulator and I really wanted to get some real equipment. And that was like when eBay was first, I mean, first starting. And I remember I went to my dad and I was like, and my dad was a landscaper. He had his own landscaping business. So we weren't making tremendous amounts of money, you know, and I went and I said, dad, I, I really want this thing. And I printed out this, this ad for on eBay, two twenty five oh one routers, two sixty pin serial connectors. Uh, there was an ad trans CSU DSU. Oh, V.35 uh, mux. There was a couple other things that came with it. And I was like, dad, I need this. And then they said, if I buy it, they'll put in a 1924, a 1900, you know, series switch. So I'm like, I got I to gotta do this, dude. And he's looking at me like, why? I go, well, Dad, you know, you know I've been going to school. You know I've been really learning this stuff. I'm really, I'm really fascinated by it. My dad was a phone, phone man in the Navy and oh. in Chicago at Illinois Bell, uh, Ma Bell way back in the day. And I'm like, I'm doing stuff with like voice over IP. It's like the next generation of what you did. You know what I mean? And he's like, okay. And he bought me these routers. That, so that, that, that was, was a lot more that was stuff. an incredible sell, by the way. You play, you played into yeah. that very nicely, <laughs> dude. Right? It, it, it was it was crazy, but you know, I and he did it, and I you know I appreciate it even still to this day. So he does this, and um, I go through and I start working on CCNA. So I get the CCNA knocked out, and I'm really excited because I learned a lot going through this equip the real equipment, you know. And I remember. I remember, and I'm sure you all do too. You remember the first time you ever counseled into a device? Oh, yeah. Yep. Like, at first you get this equipment, and you're like, how do I, now what, what do I, yeah. how do I, what the, it's blinking. What do I do with this thing? You know, and, and you, you know, you can't, you're not really Googling a lot of stuff back then, right? So you're like, yeah. what am I doing here? And then you're finding like this manual that came in the box and this says, okay, take this port, stick it in here, and it's got the DB9 connector on it. And you're like, 9600, you know, 8N1. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then next thing you know, you hit that enter and it, it, you see it and you're like, ooh, it's like you're in Tron. <laughs> and uh, and that, was, that was it. When I, when I started touching real equipment and understanding by going through the CCNA what that equipment was actually used for, that was it. Like the switch would be because there's 24 computers plugged into this, right? This router is connecting this site to another site in a different state or across the street or whatever. When you started putting it into that perspective and understanding truly what these devices did, I that was it for me. I, I knew immediately when it said Cisco and they said CCIE, and I'm like, and it's like DOS. I'm like, all right, I'll do it. And I knew then, dude. 
I knew that. Wow. And it's so cool to see that I've been doing it for, I can't even tell you how many years it's been. It sounds about like I really age myself, but almost 30. Almost, almost 30. 30. Dude, I, I, I'm, I love how you're, you're sitting here describing it though, almost 30 years later. And you still like your eyes lit up whenever you were talking about it. Like you were like a kid in a toy store, just like, yeah. and, and when I see this light up and I, I love it, man, I, I love your energy. It's just true. Cause I mean, if you think about it, there's, there's not many things that grab you. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? I've got a, a really good friend of mine wanting to get into IT. He's been doing this stuff. Stud, used to study with me and Luke a long time ago, took some classes in high school, never took, took the exams, never got through and actually took any of the exams. And, um, but he's been helping me with stuff for 20 years, you know, this guy. And, you know, I, I keep trying to encourage him. I'm like, you know, dude, you got this, you know? And, and he's like, no, well, I don't have any certifications. I'm like, well, keep creep cracking at it. We'll, we'll get the certifications knocked out. But I think, I think from an experience perspective, I know you got this stuff, you know? And one day we were talking, we were on the phone for probably a couple hours and uh, he's just, he says, well, yeah, we'll cloud this and something though with store, you know, cloud storage and this or that. And this, and it was GPUs and he's just, he's just going out. We're just talking about random different stuff, Bitcoin and, you know, all, all, just random stuff. And then at the end of it, I go, oh, and why haven't you applied for a job yet? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how the... Like, the, the barriers are out there though. Like, and it's there, there's spoken and unspoken barriers and, and the, the level of, if you don't know somebody that's going to help you get through those doors um, or, or somebody who can say, Hey, look, that door isn't really a door. Just, just go ahead and walk through it anyways. If you don't have that person, it's, it's so intimidating. So good on him for having you and good on you for, for, you know, trying to push him. And if he happens to watch this, dude, just walk through the damn door. If, if you have that level of, of, Go ahead. Just go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And dude, thank you. And, and yeah, I mean, the guy is, he's, he's an incredible friend of mine. And you know, when you, when you think about like what I said, how I got started, it was like a total, I mean, it was actually kind of a fluke really. I mean, and you know, I got kicked out of high school, you know, as you know, from other interviews, you know, I was, you know, being silly and I got kicked out of high school and I'm like, well, I'm not going out like this. So I've got to do something. And I, I kind of like this because this is something that my friend was, was teaching me about. And, you know, the more and more I investigated it, it seemed like the more and more everybody said I couldn't do it. And I think that uh, was the initial uh, surge I needed to say, oh, yeah, you know, watch. And because think about it, in that day and age, you're talking about 1997, 96, 95, so 95 when I booted out of school or whatever. You're talking back then, and you're talking about computers and stuff. Internet wasn't even really a thing like this. You know, you were on AOL and messing around in chat rooms and Pepsi bots and different things like that, you know. But you're not, I mean, you're not doing anything massive. (laughs) Yeah, 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 right? And uh, so you're, you're doing these, you know scrolling things and you think you're cool right and it was awesome back then but but back then everybody who was in computers when i was 14 15 was 40 50 60 do you know what i mean so when you there was this like this generational gap that was like we young kids want to do this computer stuff and all these other folks were like no way no you know it was like it was considered to be an old person's job and I think it was interesting how that changed and now how it unlocked and opened up the internet and everywhere we are today with our routing and everything that we have. But, 
you know, back then it was, it was really hard to get into that. So, and, and I would imagine even today you probably still have, and you all can attest to this too, you know, folks saying you can't, you know, this isn't for you or especially, I know women were running through it. I'm sure men are, are too as well. This, you know, that you're not cut out for this or you're not smart enough or whatever it may be. I'm sure there's that same type of stigma these days too as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, when I was coming up and it was late nineties as well, uh, being young, trying to get into networking, it's, it was very tough. And I just kind of echoing the, um, it, it was a lot of older people who were just kind of looking out the side of their eyes going, who is this kid trying to come in here and take our jobs? Cause there's a lot of old telephone guys who are trying to adapt to the new. Yeah. Especially going into networking and voice over IP and all that. Right. Yeah. So I, uh, I really love to hear that story, Jason, about how it, how it just kind of clicked for you, because I, I really find that a commonality among a lot of network engineers, network admins, that people really come from all walks of life. They have all different kinds of experiences, but it seems like when they get into networking, they, a lot of people kind of have a, a very similar story that they, they just kind of came upon a, a Cisco class or a book or the CCNA or something. And they, they just got started and things just really clicked for them. I, I had a very similar story. I, w- I was in college. I, I wanted to get into technology, but I didn't really know what. And um, I went into computer science as a major because I didn't know any better. Um, not, nothing wrong with it. I just, I didn't know what else was sure. out there. And uh, I, right. I, I went through the, the calculus, I went through the C++, and I'm, I started getting nervous. I'm like, I don't know if this is going to be it. Yeah, some, some, some of that's my mind. It is. Little, and uh, then I, uh, the, the school I went to um, subscribed to the Cisco Network Academy, and, and I sat in on that, and I was like, okay, now this stuff makes sense. Because, you, you know, you're really walking through the, the lower layer to upper layer um, of the OSI model. And, and I think it's just being able to modularize and, and look at the different parts of the network stack and it just really made it click. And to also know that, you know, there, there is no, at least in, in this day and age, there is no computing, there is no uh, applications, there is no cloud, there is no anything without the network infrastructure right. and and to know that Absolutely. you're you're really building a, a highway for lack of a better terms is it's going to sound cheesy but i mean it's kind of empowering really yeah i mean and just the nature of what networking means i think is what i think is awesome about it right you're connecting things yep literally all it is right you're connecting things and you you have to have a network to run an application over the top of i mean Applications are useless without a network. You can't, the only reason a network exists is to bring the user back and forth through their applications. So I think, uh, like you said, I, I always like to think of it more than plum, you know, more than plumbing because there's a lot of stuff we can do as far as like really integrate how your approach is everything, you know, with everything in a network. It's more than just the foundation. But to your point, I think what it does by nature is connects folks. And then to your, your other point is with the OSI model, you can physically see it from the beginning. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cable. And then you're on the other end of that, doing whatever you want it to do, right? So it's very fascinating to see when you start, especially if you start getting into packet capturing. Oh, yeah, for sure. You're sniffing traffic and you're doing different things like that. You are literally seeing it from, I physically picked up this cable that has these eight wires in it. 
Maybe you made the cable, which is even cooler, right? You get that, that whole yeah, definitely. Definitely. farm to table, farm to table networking experience. <laughs> oh, I'm going to use that. Cables. I like it. I'm going to use that. <laughs> but then, but then, you know, you, you physically plug it in and you literally step through each and every piece. And I, what I loved about uh, getting that the original 1900 series switch was learning spanning tree. And he did eventually get another switch. And I started playing with spanning tree and the timers, the spanning tree and, you know, all of these different pieces and you can, you can literally like, okay, boom. And it starts flashing green. You know what's happening when you plug that cable. And I thought that was just the most fascinating thing because you can literally explain it to everyone. The same reason why you tell everyone don't hack your Chrome, your, you know, your Chrome stick or your, <laughs> your, your Amazon fire stick. And you think you're getting away with it with all the free movies they know what your IP is. They can go to the service provider and tell you exactly where you're sitting. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's still illegal. Um, but when you try to explain that stuff to folks, they're like, no, you know, no. And I'm like, but on the back end, you really know how that works, right? So it's like, oh, yeah. um, and I'm not going to jailbreak my iPhone. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of one thing that I've been hearing just um, out in, let's say, newer practitioners of cloud where you've got these uh, younger kids that are just fresh out of college or, or new to the industry, and they want to get into cloud because it, it's fancy, it's fun, it's new. But there is a, a severe lack of understanding of the just the OSI 7 layer. Like, okay, oh, you've got all your fancy overlays and clouds and, and your whatnots, but there's an underlay there that is still very much true, original, raw to its form networking that still needs to be understood. You know, on that, even Tim mentioned this earlier, you know, learning at the beginning, going through the OSI model and, and the CCNA, when I first started going through it, OSI model, and then for a period of time, and I don't know if you recall this, but they took the OSI model off of, of the certification did they really? no there was no, no i didn't OSI i didn't re i didn't realize that the longest time uh, I, would, I, I would i would sit and take in some of these certifications and i would look at these different exams because we helped develop a lot of this stuff and there was no questions anything about osi and you get to thinking about it well that was the fundamental piece that you needed to teach coming out yeah. of you know like that's the entry level of, of networking and it's not because you don't know a lot it's because it is everything oh yeah it yeah. is everything. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, and it, like you said, not that, not that, you know, not that you're a novice because you don't know what the OSI model is or whatnot. What I'm, what I'm saying there is that it's such a critical piece that every single literal thing in networking builds on top of it's your, it's your map, your legend to the map of the networking, right? <laughs> like you need to know that so you can know where everything fits together. Um, and for the longest time, uh, it wasn't on a lot of these certifications. Huh. And then when I, as we started writing some of these other exams, started adding different pieces into it. We had these different um, uh, job task analysis meetings about what these certifications are for. Are they useful? What should be added? What should be not added to the blueprint, et cetera, et cetera. And that stuff came back with, with a vengeance. Good. Because if you think about it, like just like Jordan said, everything up there is the same thing. It's, it's, there's still a network. It's just in somebody else's data center. Oh, yeah. You know? Even to this day, and just basic OSI, maybe I don't start at layer one all the time, but that's that's how you have to step through things. Or that's how I step through things. At, you know, As a senior network engineer, I'm going to start as low as I can go on that stack because if you don't and you just start troubleshooting up here at seven, um, you're, you're going to have a bad time. 
You know, it's, it's kind of like what they said. The and, and I didn't take the one, uh, the two day uh, CCIE lab, but I, apparently back in the two day lab, they would do things like take your RJ forty five connector out and then put like tape on it or a piece of paper and plug it in, and it's it's plugged in, <laughs> right? And they never t- they would go crazy looking. Is it is it is it Apple Talk? Is it what, what is it? That, you know, they're going through ripping everything apart, and it's the layer one. Yeah. So I don't know how many times as a senior network engineer, um, layer one got me. I mean, and one, one example that I, I love to, to talk about is uh, it's, it's kind of a joke, but kind of not a joke, I guess. Uh, we had multiple IBM blade centers at one of my former jobs. And in the back end, we had these Cisco C-I-G-E-S-M, Cisco Inter- or Gigabit Ethernet Switch Module, right? And these were the switch modules that were in the back of these blade center chassis. Well, somebody wanted to try to do inter-chassis heartbeating, heartbeating for a cluster. And they plugged in a crossover cable between two switches in that cluster. Well, one of the projects that we were working on was going in there and saying, okay, some of these blade center chassis only are single-homed. We need to dual-home everything. We're probably going to put dual-homes, but also ether channels. We're going to bring all this thing. And I built brilliant, beautiful plan. Here are all the configurations and all this. If you've ever seen the back of a blade center, especially one that is has like, you know, boot from sand and all this other stuff, there's so many cables coming out of the back of those things. And if you, do, you know, we didn't have the proper cable management, as you would imagine, uh, it's a mess, right? So we're sifting and moving stuff around just to plug in the cables for the ether channels into these switches. Well, click, the entire call center goes down. Uh-oh. I'm the one who did the click. Yeah. <laughs> click well my plan was a solid plan however somebody went in there and stuck a crossover cable between two chassis and you didn't see it because it was buried with everything else caused a spanning tree loop wiped out the entire call center all the phones in the entire building you know th- however many thousands of agents just just gone boop. and you uh, it, it, as loud as those those crack units are in the data center you could have heard a pin drop man <laughs> Uh, it was, it was a pucker factor for real. Uh, but I mean, that's the thing is I, I think that even when you're the senior network engineer and even when you're teaching classes and even when you're writing books and you're doing all these other things, uh, sometimes if you overlook the basics, they will come back and bite you. Uh, so layer one for sure. Absolutely. Got to respect layer one. I have a sticker that says Amen. that. <laughs> Do you really? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It was from a, a vendor. It was, um, I don't remember the name, but they, they were trying to get their cable line out. They're like, oh, we're making cables now. And they send stickers, respect layer one. I still have it somewhere. That's awesome. Uh, that, that might even be another tattoo. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'll find it and I'll post it on Twitter so someone can uh, use it. Awesome. Yeah, it really, I think you both said a, a couple key words there. I mean, it really is, the OSI model can can really be that troubleshooting map for, for people, um, especially people starting out. It's just an easy thing to remember that just don't forget you can follow this path to an extent and, uh, and really help yourself along the way. So yeah, I, and Jason, can we, uh, can we talk about the elephant in the room? Can we, can we talk Cisco a little bit? I was gonna say, do I have an elephant? <laughs> Cause I might have a stuffed elephant here. You never know. I have kids. So, um, yeah, what 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 do we, we want to talk about, Cisco? Yeah, or, so or you, whatever you you had mentioned, you know, you, you said that thing earlier where uh, you said that that you were going to become a CCIE and, and work for Cisco. So, uh, which which happened first? 
The CCIE. Okay. Um, so one one piece of advice that I will offer uh, anybody who's listening, because um, it was a dream of mine to go work for Cisco since I was pretty much 17. Uh, it took me a long time. I, I didn't get there until 2013. Um, so you're talking a long time. Uh, I would say, though, when I got there, I was surprised and shocked to find that you did not need to have your CCIE to work at Cisco. And that I was a rarity in some of the some of the places and areas that I was in. And had I known that, I probably would have started working at Cisco when I was 17 and that would have been <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Uh, but apparently you got to go through the journey and that was my journey. Um, but when I landed at Cisco, I, I was a systems engineer. So I, I was covering a, a large group of accounts and a lot of healthcare, a lot of manufacturing, just a whole bunch of different types of even government uh, security kind of military stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, and you cover all these different accounts and you get to see what makes every one of them tick. And that was why I was going for the CCDE for the longest time, because I just thought it was, it was so in tune and in line with, you know, what I, what I was doing. And I had a couple of buddies say, you should go get that. You should, you should try for it. Uh, still didn't get it, but uh, um, I learned so much in that process and it really, it really made me a better, I thought, uh, systems engineer because you really learn to listen to the customer really is what it boils down to. Um, and what, what was fascinating to me, I didn't think that was going to be my role uh, when I came to work at Cisco, but I guess I never really thought past just go get a job at Cisco. I'll give a CCI and go get a job at Cisco. Um, so when I had customers and I was doing this as crazy as it sounds, I, f I felt honored. You know what I mean? Hmm. I, I felt like, I am working on behalf of this customer or this company that I've wanted to work for, for most of my life. And I get to go and explain to all these different customers and companies and partners and different folks all about our technology and what it can do for them. How can it benefit them and how can I help them learn? And then the certification stuff kept kind of happening with the books and creating certifications and all this other stuff. And that I could mentor and help folks do that too. It was like fascinating. And then now my role as a technical evangelist, it's, it's kind of neat because I build training content and curriculum for our field and our partners. And we get to do gamification using capture the flag and all these cool, just really awesome things just to help invoke folks to learn. And I got to say, I'm incredibly lucky. I feel totally blessed and fortunate that I get, that gets to be my job. You know, um, I don't have to go and design the network or I don't have to go and put the network in anymore, but I did all those different pieces and I loved all of it, you know, equally. And I still do a lot of that. Um, but I, I still feel very honored that I get to be in a position that I can help other folks get into what I do and why I was, like you said, you know, like eyes lit up, very excited about what my future held, you know, as far as networking went. And um, I, I just think it's so cool to be able to give that back and it's my job. It's like, it's like a win-win. I mean, you can't, uh, you know, so I think it was the best decision of my life was to go to Cisco. Again, long-winded way of saying, if you are thinking about it, you don't necessarily have to wait till you're a CCIE before you do that. Um, so please, uh, cisco.com forward slash go forward slash careers uh, if you're interested in applying. <laughs> That's excellent. And I, I really want to highlight something that you said around the uh, the CCDE journey that you had because I, I think that it's easy when you're going after certifications and, and you take an exam and you fail it 
it's so easy to get discouraged. But one thing that you got to remember is that if you spend a lot of time um, or a lot of effort, at least learning different things and you're, you're trying things out and you're labbing and you're reading and you're watching videos and you're absorbing and, and retaining this content at the end of the day, even if you don't get the paper that says you're certified, you still have all of that knowledge and, and that can't be taken away from you. So, I mean, what, what do we say here all the, all the time, guys, it's, it's all about the journey. So just yeah. where you may feel discouraged, just realize that that whole journey itself is beneficial to you. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, what's the difference between a resident and a doctor, right? It's the parking spot. <laughs> nice. And the pay. Everything that goes along with the parking. Yeah, that's there right. You go. Yeah. If you, if you think, but if you think about that and think that through, that resident just hasn't passed the exam yet. Yep. And then they get the pay. So, and, and I think keep, it was hard. And don't get me wrong, I got knocked on my butt many times. I failed a lot of different exams over the years. And it, it, every single one of them stings. It stings pretty bad. And, you know, I'm as an engineer, and I'm sure a lot of folks out there can attest to this as well, uh, you overanalyze things. So when you don't pass, what do you do? You overanalyze what did I do wrong? Why am I not at this level? Why am I not good enough? Or what did I miss? Or And it, you, you, instead of reflecting, you kind of beat yourself down a little bit, you know? And I was guilty of it too. I mean, you know... Sometimes you're just like, man, why, what, you know? Um, but I think trying to take that step back and look at the gratitude side of things and look at it from a, I know this stuff. Like, I know this stuff. I just didn't pass the exam yet. And to have that approach gives you that little bit of confidence. Like from the CCDE perspective, I never passed. But I'm sitting there with Russ and, and Malcolm and all my good friends and all these other folks who have passed and having wonderful conversations and interviews and everything else, I just didn't pass. Right. And then I stopped and that's, again, that's okay too. You know, um, I think that the, the big key there is that to, if you're passionate about something, find a way to learn it, find a way to practice it. I mean, that, um, at the end of the day, now in this day and age, virtual, everything, virtual labs, virtual, you have access to things that were million dollar pieces of equipment that you can just work on that you wouldn't get unless you're working at Sprint or AT&T or something, yeah. you know? So um, not saying that there's no excuses, but you have less excuses than we did. <laughs> so it's a, it's a long cry from a manually setting clock speeds on those external ATRAN CSU DSUs. <laughs> nice. Oh yeah. That was when you said it earlier, I was like, oh man, I remember just having banks of those and having to just go down there and check your clock settings. Are they right? Do they match? Oh gosh. Oh man. Dude, we had, we had, uh, I worked at this ISP in Arkansas, believe it or not, for a while. Um, and I'm sure, I think they're subsequently been gone. It was a small ISP, but they did dial-up. And I was in charge of a lot of the dial-up stuff. We had the AS5300s and AS5400s, and you would have modem banks. And I would have to take these carrier access uh, muxes, and then literally, you know, I had one wire wrap gun, like wire wrapping all these DS3s into T1s. So I can plug them into all of these these uh, um, AS5400s and everything. I was like, zzz, 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 trying to get all this stuff going. Uh, and you learn a lot, though. You know, telecom, you know, I, I think it's so fascinating about it is my dad was doing telecom. And 
when I was like six or seven years old, he's teaching me how to make a butt set so I can connect into the, oh, into the house. I'm glad know? you brought up butt so sets. I was going to ask about that. It, it's super cool, right? So, I mean, I guess don't, uh, don't count yourself short if you're, you know, just get in there and start doing whatever it is and uh, you'll find a path out of it. I tell you that, Mr. So can you, so what about your butt can set? Can you, uh, <laughs> can, can you step us through, uh, the, the role as a technical evangelist? What, what does that mean? Uh, you know what? It's, it's the coolest title I think I've ever had. Um, and it's just because I think a lot of it, you get to tell stories and not fake stories, right. You know, uh, but you get to tell stories about journeys. Like why are you getting it? I've told the story so many times, uh, to customers and you know, the different partners and stuff as well that, uh, that want to want to engage in different ways and try to do more and, and, and evolve. Um, but from a technical uh, evangelist perspective, it's cool because I get to talk about all our technologies. I mean, enter- from an enterprise networking perspective, I should put that out there. So you're talking about things like routing, switching, wireless, um, space, DNA spaces, uh, Cisco DNA Center, Cisco SD-WAN, Cisco Software Defined Access, all of these other things, right? Um, and how they benefit and value to the customer, which is super cool because... It all totally depends on that particular customer and what their use cases are. So what I get to do is not only build training to kind of educate the masses as far as some of these different technologies, but I also educate our internal employees to re-deliver some of these sessions to our customers. And then I go out and do customer-facing events and things of that nature too. Um, and what's what's fascinating is not, not one customer is exactly the same, but some of them might have common pain points. So one of the programs that I that I work on a lot is something called the Interactive Test Drive Program, which I think is super cool. And if you're a Cisco customer and you want to check it out, it's super, it's free, it's super cool. Check it out. Uh, you come up with the technology, whatever it might be. We have one called Campus Interactive Test Drive, and we have Cisco Wireless, we have Cisco Campus Switching, we have Software Defined Access, and Cisco DNA Center and things of that nature in this test drive. So customers will come. And we get to talk to them about their business use cases, talk about what they have going on in their environment. And the entire thing is a facilitated discussion. So instead of you walk in, here's 350 slides, me standing at the front of the room, going through a whole bunch of stuff. And oh, when you're done, here's your lab guide. You have two hours to give me, uh, you know, to finish the lab. Please give me a five on the way out the door, (laughs) right? The typical lab experience, (laughs) right? That's great. Um, You talk to the customers the entire time. The entire time, it is a discussion. And what I think is fascinating about that is so many different customers come and they'll, they'll, they'll open up, even if they're in the same competitive space. And I've had many, many occasions where they would stay because the biggest benefit is to hear what their peers are doing. They'll stay two hours afterwards. I, I was in Singapore and I had this customer stay like two, two and a half hours after the entire test drive to talk to another customer. And I wasn't going to stop it. I thought that was pretty cool, you know? Um, but you, you go through all these different things and, and it's, it's gamified. So you have, you know, games to, to get folks talking, to share information, talk about everybody else's pain points, slide minimal. You're like 20 slides for the entire six hour event. And then you do capture the flag gamification on some of the demos with whatever the technology is that we talked about. And customers love it because it's, we listen to what they say and then make a tailored experience for them for what they want to learn. And I, I love doing it because every single time I deliver those, it's like 20 different customers in this room that have totally different use cases. And it's fascinating to me. So that's kind of what a, an evangelist does. Uh, executive briefings and all that fancy, fancy schmancy stuff that uh, I, I, try, I try to 
I try to, you know, stay more grounded with the technical. Um, but I, I do have to do a lot of the, uh, people person things too. Right. It, it is really cool to see where Cisco has taken, uh, all of those learning, uh, like they, they've taken it out of the book and they've made it real. And I've seen a lot of that on the DevNet as uh, DevNet side as well. Uh, just like here, here's not not just here's a slide. Go do what's on the slide. No, here's a real environment for you to get into and to play with. Yeah. And and everybody loves gamification. So it's, I mean, kudos to Cisco. They're they're definitely doing it right when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's uh, something I'm near and dear to my heart. And I'm proud of, you know, and, it, you know, we were all customers. I was a customer before I, I came here and you know what folks try to sell you. So it's time to change the game a little bit and listen and sell to the customers that the way that they want to be sold to. Absolutely. Well, Jason, this is this has been an excellent time. I just looked down at the clock. I can't believe we've been at it this long already. So it, it, as much yeah. as it pains me to say, I think we need to to start wrapping this thing up. Um, is there anything that, that you wanted to go into, any advice that you wanted to give, any experience that, that we haven't talked about already that you wanted to share that we haven't covered? I would say Cisco Live. Um, and, and I know it's hard for a lot of folks to travel, especially coming off of what we just came off of here recently. Um I am super excited about being live at Cisco Live again and seeing all my friends. I, I, there's so many folks. It becomes family. You get there and then you get these big clicks of like 20, 30 folks sitting in, 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 in a social area just talking. And then then I'll migrate over here and then there's like 60 po- folks. And then, hey, let's all go to these different restaurants. And there's huge just community networking, right? It's the, the human network community folks bringing uh, other folks together, right? And uh, it's fascinating. So if you've never been, I would say... Go take the cheap route if you have to get the Explorer Pass. I don't know. I, remember was, I don't remember how much it was. Like seven hundred. Seven hundred. Seven hundred. Yep. And um, just check it out. There's so much cool. It's like if, if anybody ever seen like the Auto Show where they have all the latest and greatest concept cars. <laughs> it's like that, but for geek stuff, all about technology and networking and how it can benefit you. And uh, it's fascinating. And everybody, one of the things that I want to say is that when you go, everybody is there to support you. Um, it's, there's no, uh, other agenda than for you to have fun and learn. That is the entire event. Uh, that is what it's about. Uh, so when we go, we see each other and it's like this reunion thing where you get a lot of folks come together and learn about the different technology, meet the folks. The human network is the biggest network, right? It is the most important network out there period. So if you have an opportunity to meet folks, meet them in person, I would love to meet, meet these folks in person too. meet you in person, do it, please do. Uh, and I hope to see you out there. Um, and one last thing I guess I will drop on you is that it looks like we might be doing another Chicago Network Operators Group, which I am super stoked about. This would be uh, our 10th one. It's supposed to be our 10th one three years ago, but we couldn't have it for three years. Um, so it's still Shinog 10, even though it's like year 13. Uh, <laughs> um, and it looks like it might be in towards the end of September. So we are we are in planning stages right now. Take a look at Shinog.org for the more information on that and Twitter and all that other good stuff. And uh, I think that's it for me. Thank you. Uh, Jordan, Chris, do you guys have any uh, parting thoughts? Not really. Um, I'm, I'm going to be looking for you at live. And uh, awesome. now that I know that that's happening in Chicago, I, I'd never heard of that before. I'm right outside of Chicago. So I'm going to be uh, looking into that. Oh, really? That. Yeah. Where, where do you? Uh, well, we'll talk about that later. You don't want to record it. it. it it's, <laughs> right a, it's a long story of how I'm in Chicago. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll sync up offline. Like I live it. Yeah. Like, oh, man. <laughs> Edit that out. No, Awesome.
As far as uh, I go, I, I really don't have too much to add, but while I was doing some reading on Jason today, I found an amazing video that he has on his YouTube channel. Uh, go see it. It's at Metal DevOps, but it's uh, Unicorns, Ghosts, and Dragons, Common Engineering Myths, and it's about the inclusion into the community. Uh, basically, it's a we, we come in different shapes, sizes, colors, other um, skill sets, uh, uh, backgrounds, uh, uh, everything, right? There is no mold for, for what we do. There is no mold for who, who can do what we do. And so if, uh, if you can find it, uh, please go find that video. I'm going to ask, uh, Dan, if you'll put it in the, in the, 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 the base down there so that, you know, we can link to it, but it's a great video. Check it out. Awesome. Thank you for that. I love that. video. Yeah. Thanks for that, Chris. Well, for all of us here, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, if you want to see a picture of a young Jason Gooley looking like a uh, 17-year-old uh, Michael Corleone, check out our YouTube channel. <laughs> Otherwise, thank you all, especially our Patreons for joining us and all of our listeners. As always, this has been The Art of Network Engineering. Take care, everybody. This is Lexi. If you vibe with what you heard us talking about today, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcatcher. Also, go ahead and hit that bell icon to make sure you're notified of all our future episodes right when they come out. If you want to hear what we're talking about when we're not on the podcast, you can totally follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Art of NetEng. That's Art of N-E-T-E-N-G. You can also find a bunch more info about us and the podcast at artofnetworkengineering.com. Thanks for listening.